Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully because there's no time to waste for all of us. Dr. Martin Interbeetson is a world-renowned neuroscientist who recently wrapped our lecture series at Stanford on the power of mindset. Much of his previous research focused on stress and emotions and understanding really how the brain and the body processes it all. And then nine years ago, he received a gut-wrenching pancreatic cancer diagnosis, which forced him to take his life's research and put it into practice for himself, like literally. You'll hear the story today of how Martin's illness had him stare down his own mortality, evaluate his priorities, and make significant changes in his life, including deciding to train for a triathlon with zero experience in the sport, which Ethan Zahn will talk to him about after in this week's Active Against Cancer Spotlight. He's a diamond in the rough, a shining beam of authentic, well-placed positivity, and an incredibly smart cookie. And getting to finally connect with him has been yet another gift of this stupid cancer. So here's Martin Interbeetson for No Time to Waste. Mr. Uh, how do we pronounce it? Interbeetson? Interbeetson. Interbeetson. Yes. You, um, you are my first Swiss-German friend. Oh, I feel yeah. honored. Yeah, you should be. Um, uh, so, okay, remind me... Dr. Martin Interbeetson, uh, remind me how we got connected because I, I literally don't remember. Over Instagram. Instagram. I Did yes. I reach out to you? I think so. As far as I remember, I, I got a message from you like months ago and saying, hey, I'm doing this podcast and everything. And and I'm just very honest. Like when I, when I got your message, I was like, oh, this is another of this kind of like, okay, I'm going to do one day a project. And, and I remember I, I asked you, can you send me over an episode? Mm -hmm. And you were like, no, I'm just starting. And, and I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe she's not serious about. Mm -hmm. And then some months or weeks ago, I checked again your project and your podcast. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what did she do? Like, she really got the steam blowing. Like, yes. And so I was very impressed about that, that how much you pulled off in this short time. Thank you for being patient and for understanding and being willing to come on the pod now. But yeah. yeah totally. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You are a neuroscientist. Yes, with, I am. Yeah. With a focus on mindset, at least mm. now. Um, yes. Has that always been, has mindset always been kind of the focus of your work? No, ironically, I did my PhD on the topic of stress and emotions. So I studied like four or five years the brain and like trying to understand how the brain and the body processes emotions and stress and how it affects learning and interaction and behavior and all the shizzle, you know, like did a lot of studies and research myself. And then at the end of my PhD, I got my diagnose and I was like, whoa, like I know all this theory, but now I know how it feels like. And this is like not the same. It's like completely so. Yeah. So, okay. So you're studying the impacts of stress 
on the brain and on the body and on our brain's ability to learn uh, what what were yes. kind of like your key findings at that point you know stress especially fear and fear conditioning is like really really strong when it comes to learning so if if you have a fearful experience you learn something very quickly and there is a kind of sweet spot when when your brain learns very very adaptive but then when the fear becomes too much when it becomes a trauma then you are not able to to process anything anymore and and your brain just shuts down and so i was doing experiments trying to understand how the brain builds new connections based on fear conditioning like how fear modulates our learning and how fear is fear is not only bad you know a lot of people say emotions are good or bad that's not true like emotions are just comfortable or uncomfortable and you know like every emotion has a as a function every emotion is here for something there is not like something is good or bad just because it doesn't feel nice it doesn't mean that it's bad yeah and so that's what the, what my work was around. So getting into your diagnosis. So this was this was now nine years ago, right? You have completed your PhD at this point, yes. right? Um, okay, and you've done all this work around uh, stress, um, how it affects the body, how it more importantly affects the brain, um, and you get this diagnosis. So talk me through that. Yes, I mean the first thing that goes through me is um, it was a complete blast. I mean you know yourself, everybody listening to it, and I don't have to go into details because <laughs> it's it's just for everybody. It's just such a black hole, like boom. And I had this moment, especially when I started googling my diagnosis because I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and um, as so many other tricky types of cancer, you don't read good news on the internet. So this was the moment where I completely lost it. And I was like, holy cow, this is mm. like maybe gonna be very quick. I mean, I read, I have three years. And so that was um, a big shocker for me, yeah. Yeah, so has it continued since that original diagnosis? nine years ago, has it continued to progress and or or relapse? Yes, it relapsed many times. And it came back and back more in the liver. And so my doctors are saying it's it's kind of a chronic, a chronic disease. But so far, we managed to keep it in in track. So it, it never how should you say spread uncontrollable over the whole body. And so I had in the past nine years, I had four big surgeries, I had a lot of chemo, a lot of treatment, and, and we just, I learned to live with it, you know, it's, it's really a learning. I mean, I had my last big surgery like three months ago, four months ago. So it's, it's a constant battle. You, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah. Yes, I do. Well, I'm really happy that it sounds like right now, I mean, obviously not something you'd choose, but it's a, you have a chronic, you have a chronic illness, right? That, uh, you know, the, the mental effects of cancer, post-cancer, post-relapse in the, the in-between periods when you're supposed to be just living your life and not thinking about it, like the mental toll, um, is, is really significant. And a lot of people in the cancer community talk about, you know, the invisible scars of cancer that, um, 
sort of haunt people's uh, uh, mental health um, totally. and, emotion- and emotional health. How have you navigated the last nine years? How have you survived? Well, I, I want just to add what you said before. I found it very interesting. Like there is a cancer in our body and then there is our, a cancer in our heart. And, mm. and it's like, obviously, when you get cancer in the body, it's really, really tricky to, to protect your heart or to make sure it's not invading your mind and your heart and this kind of mm. invisible cancer that, that, that eats you up. But you don't need to have cancer in your body. You know, I see people on the street, they have cancer in their mind and their heart without having a normal cancer. And so it's, it's not that it's a direct correlation that it has to go along with each other. Um, for me, what, what helped me a lot definitely was to, to ask myself to sit down. It's what you do with this project, with your life, with your days that you have, like sitting down and ask yourself like, okay, um, what, what do I want to do? What do I want to spend my time on with the, the thing that I still can do? Mm-hmm. And I became very radical with selecting how I spend my time and what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. I'm I resigned my job. I I changed completely my my life just because I I realized, hey, time is so precious. And this helped me a lot, like this profound work with like, okay, what do I want to spend my time on? And it's not easy. Um, I don't want to appear like, okay, I got cancer and then I signed up for a triathlon and everything was sunshine and happiness. No, not at all. Like crying helps too, you know? Talking to a psychologist helps too. Like like hugging your friends like helps too. Like you, I think it's it's very important to to be aware that it's a process that that we should not force ourselves to go through. Like that we we don't have to be ashamed to go through this process. You know, sometimes you see all these crazy stories on the internet and you believe, oh, I also have to be so inspiring and so upbeat and you know no you don't (laughs) it's okay to be not okay no yeah yeah and so many people see um those who are facing challenge or difficulty like you and i and everyone is though to a degree i mean everyone is um facing some sort of difficulty trauma challenge like my gosh, especially coming out of this pandemic, like the mental health impacts of of the last year for someone who is healthy mm-hmm. and financially stable mm-hmm. and, you know, surrounded by people they love. It's still traumatic, the loss, right, of certain things. But especially for people like you and I, you know, and I'm sure you get it too, people are like, how are you so upbeat about your your diagnosis and you're just so positive. And I'm just like, you didn't see the last two days where I like could not get off the couch because I just couldn't find a reason to. And I had a bowl of Captain Crunch when I woke up because I was like, who cares? What's the point? Hmm. Right? Like just really just dark thoughts. And, you know, Hmm. people don't I, yeah, when, when people go, well, oh, well, I, I mean, you just seem so positive. I'm like, yeah, that's like on the podcast or like speaking on stage or virtually. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm a motivate, if I'm supposed to be motivational, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show that 
stuff. Um, why, but- why not? Like, let me let me challenge you on that. Why? Oh, not? look Be- at you! Because what I what I I I started very similar, like going on stage and saying, "Hey, I did a triathlon, and I'm strong." You know, the men, anyhow, we men, we we don't like to be weak on stage, and. And then there came the point of, of like realizing, hey, wait, it, it actually needs much more courage to go on stage and, and say, hey, I don't have this together. You know, like, why, why not? Why not yeah. also show that part? I, uh, I'm trying because I want to show, I want to I make sure that, that people see the spectrum of emotion that is involved in grief and mourning and loss and trauma, because that is the true, those, there are many faces to it and joy, right? And laughter and fun and doing the things you always said you were going to want to try and doing them. And, you know, it's, it's holding the, I feel like Rabbi Leader said this in his episode, but, you know, it's grief is both sad, but also beautiful. You know, Mm -hmm. it involves loss, but also so much can be gained in Mm -hmm. the journey. And I hate to say journey. But it's like, what am I going to say? Like cancer adventure? Like, no, this is like an adventure I would sign up for. <laughs> Journey. I haven't. I haven't figured out a. Hmm. I haven't figured out the right right word. So to answer your question, I am trying to be more, even more authentic. Um, without, uh, while while keeping the spirit of no time to waste, which is not about dying, but about living. Right. And living your best life today, right now, mm. because none mm. of us know how much time we have left. Mm. Um, and I want to be, I want to be true to this experience. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to be more open. I'm trying to be more honest mm. um, and not hold back to, to your question um, while still using this platform as a place for me to err on the side of hope. Hmm. Even if I don't feel hopeful every day. And, hmm. and to be honest, it's, it's, that's kind of more for me than anybody else because hmm. it's difficult to find hope. Um, hmm. Especially in my situation and with recent scans and it's just, and, and hope can be, Oh, hope can be such a, I don't know, dangerous is a little dramatic, but man, the letdown when you've been hopeful is just, oh. Hope can be very tricky because when we hope, um, and and I know we can have this conversation from from patient to patient, and like people are struggling with with trying to survive. But hope can be very tricky because you you put in a lot of expectations and uh, expectations of something to happen, and and if it happens, then it's like oh good, okay, whew, I'm fine. But if it doesn't, you you will have to to mm-hmm. deal with a lot of disappointment and. 
um, despite it's it's nearly impossible for us human to not have hope, you know, like we hope the scan is good, we hope it will turn out well. I I believe that also like approaching situations just with a with a with a humble like it's it's hard. I mean, with a humble experience or a humble approach of of like okay, I I will see what happens, and it it's not easy. It's it's mm. Um, but it can relax the whole experience, and it's it's kind of, the whole experience. It can, it can at least that's what I observed. It can help me to to not put so much pressure on it and on myself. And um, then when the news are bad, and I had many bad news in the past nine years, also like situations where doctors told me, "Look, that's it," and and. And then, like keeping the 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 eyes open and the, the the heart open, and just say, "Okay, I'm keeping walking." It has nothing to do with hope. I think it has to do with trust. So, um, there is one mantra I, I really re- uh, take in a lot, and and I have to remind myself a lot. Is is that when I face something that is really challenging, I, I put my hand on on my chest and I say. I don't know, but I will be fine. And and this kind of cultivating trust and not so much like 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 trying to grab hope and like ah, I have to hope. No, I'm just I will be mm. fine. Like this gave me a lot of calmity or like calming me down. Yeah, I want to know because you are such an in a unique position because of your work professionally and your knowledge of the brain and now as a as a cancer survivor you have gone through all of this yourself how do you handle how do you handle those you know it's a it's a joke for those listening in the cancer community it's called scanxiety and it's real and it's a basically a heightened awareness when you are waiting for scan results because that scan's going to dictate for me what my next three months is going to look like. And it's also going to dictate or be a, a leading indicator of how long I have left. And so the weight of that scan is so significant that those who are facing illness um, joke about the, the scanxiety being, uh, being a real thing. How have how have you taken the work that you've done on mindset and applied that? Like, wh- how do you prepare for those scans, or how how do you? I love I love the the mantra and the hand over the heart to kind of settle your system. <sighs> Remind yourself that it's going to be okay, right? Even when it's not okay, it's okay. And that's the weird, right? Because you're like, well, this is not, I don't want this. But the sooner, in my experience, the sooner I can move into acceptance and, as you said, trust or faith that I'm going to be okay no matter what. That's the ultimate freedom, you know, because as you said before, it's not going to be okay, but I'm okay, you know? And, and placing the hand, actually, for me, it's really important also the somatic, the physical experience of having the hand on my chest or mm-hmm. on my heart. 
is really helping to calm my, my system down. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but, but coming back to your question about skin anxiety, I mean, first of foremost of all, we have to be, I mean, we have to point it out. It is really hard. You know, it's, it's like I can now give you all the advice and what I learned, which I'm happy to share. But first of all, it's just like, hey, it's about living and dying. Of course, you're going to freak out. And it's totally human, totally normal. And so what I learned is the most normal thing about it is that it's never going to be normal. That's never going to be normal. I mean, I'm, I'm having control scans every three months since nearly a decade. And every time I'm nervous. And so that helps me to somehow normalize it, that it's, it's just not normal and it never will be. And so this is one thing that I, I, I learned. Another tactic or method is, is really I try to distract myself as long as possible. Like I, I'm now at, uh, at an hour to two hours before I get the results when I'm getting consciously nervous. And all the rest of the time, I just say I don't allow myself to get any like working memory to the scan because once i start thinking my brain you know you have to understand your brain is a storytelling machine that's Mm -hmm. the main function of your brain it tells you a story and the story is always wrong because all the perception you already have is is not accurate so your brain just builds a story out of like inaccurate inputs and so Mm -hmm. when you think about your scan the only result is that you're going to be nervous Right. So better think about going for a walk or, or watching a nice movie with your friends on Netflix or whatever, you know, like yeah. distract yourself because if you give your brain the space to think about the scan, you're going to freak out. I mean, in right. my case, it was like that. So I, I really tried to distract myself to the last moment. Yeah. But then, yeah, it comes this moment where you cannot hold it anymore and you sit in the hospital and, and you see the doctor passing by and, you already think like every kind of facial expression you think you can see like what the results are and you're just sweating and and i i remember this is just it's a horrible time the last the last time it was in like two months ago or so where i got my results i i was sitting there and i tried to meditate i meditate a lot and i couldn't you know, it was really, it like, it's easy to meditate in a Sunday morning and right. yourself and like, oh, that's nice. But like meditating before you get the results is really, really hard. Yes. And so what I did is I asked myself, like, Martin, what are you afraid of? And, and then it came all down to the point that, yeah, I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid that the doctor comes in and tells me, look, it looks really bad. And, and and in this moment, I was thinking, okay, what if I could let that go? Mm. Like, what if, and, and for a tiny little moment, I, I could feel a relaxation and then back, it was back again, you know? Yeah. It's, but the moment I said, okay, what if I just could let it go and say, okay, I'm going to die because we're all going to die one day. Mm. And so if I can let it go, can that give me some kind of superiority over the situation? Yeah. And yeah, I managed, but for a very, very little moment. Yeah. Uh, so we're all screwed because if you, <laughs> with all of your knowledge of the brain and mindset and and your experience, if you freak out too, that makes me feel better because, um, yeah, it is it is really hard. I also see it as, you, but, you know, know. Yeah, we are all screwed. But on the other side, we, we all can train, you know. You know, I think about that athlete mindset 
right? And I think about the brain as another part of us that we can work to, uh, you know, find muscles that we didn't know existed and build upon the muscles that are already there. And, you know, there's a lot that we can't control, but there's a lot that we can control. And a lot of it is around, um, you know, practice. Um, and yes. training, as you just mentioned. And I am someone who, I mean, I've been wired for anxiety since I was little. Um, I just naturally uh, go to the the worry and then like the kind of compulsive behaviors. And um, it's taken a lifetime for me to get that anxiety in check before I got diagnosed with cancer. Um, but uh, I do believe that... Uh, the brain, you know, as I'm sure you, you know, obviously, um, the brain can be trained. And what I've kind of taken upon the last, you know, six months is I use Headspace, which um, was the, the introduction to really like a daily meditation practice that I'm cultivating now, because I basically have been like, okay, so this is, this is like the final frontier for me. You know, I spent a lifetime physically um, training and, you know, business training and, and improving and, and growing. Um, now it's about f finding a place of comfort amidst discomfort right? And fear and anxiety. And so I've been like, I'm going to become like a mental effing ninja. And I'm going to recognize that all of the suffering is not, it's, it's, the suffering is not the circumstance. It's our mind's reaction and processing of it. And so how, how can I uh, and I've been working, like, how can I find that happy place really quickly and breathe and remember, I'm going to be okay. Even if it's not okay, I'm going to be okay. Right. And, and also my, my, my people are going to be okay. But none of this is based in science, Martin. It is based just on me. Okay. So you have to now tell us how do I, yeah. how, how do we train our brains? What's the, what's the situation? Well, you said already the most important uh, taking home message that, I mean, we have to start with the, the brain is not fixed or, mm -hmm. you know, your mindset is not something that you're born with and you have mm -hmm. either mindset A or B. Mm -hmm. um, the brain is evolving all the time. Mm -hmm. The brain is like this gray matter that is a biological system that is all the time learning new stuff and forgetting other stuff. So the question is, what are you focusing on? Mm -hmm. uh, that's the, the, the main first decision that you are able to do. Like you can decide what you're focusing on. And I mean, with your project and what you're doing and with your life and like starting to meditate, you're already trying to shift the focus on something that is good for your brain. Mm -hmm. Then it's, it's, it's really about taking it with, with little steps, you know? Sometimes we, we're getting disappointed, like we make one step forward and then we're like, oh shit, I'm now back in my old route. I mean, mm -hmm. if you have like 20, 30, 40 years of, of one way of thinking, <laughs> It's, mm -hmm. it's, of course, it takes some time to, to rewire and, and see, like, okay, what can get changed 
in your brain. So it's not just like I go one week in a meditation camp and then yoo-hoo, like, yeah. everything is fine. No, it takes more time. So patience is also really, really important. Like focus on the right stuff, be yeah. patient and yep. just repeat. Like what I like to, to say a lot is like, make it small, make it fun, repeat. And if you keep that loop in, in like rolling, it's just a matter of, of like your brain slowly starts to learn. I mean, you can also learn with pain. The, the, the brain either learns with pleasure I'll or choose. Pain. Oh, I was like, I yes. will choose, I choose fun. I'd yes, like to choose the fun thing. Me too. Not the pain but thing. So, yeah, but the painful stuff is sometimes even like stronger in helping us to, to evolve and to, to change our, our focus and our brain. Um, Maybe one thing I, I, I like to add, because before you said, you know, I, I just want to be good and come back to this happy place. And mm. um, I'm not sure if this is on a long-term perspective, uh, the goal, mm. you know, because when, when we are, we are all obsessed, okay, I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. And, but if, if we are focusing so much on that, um, we always in the struggle if if something is not in this happy place. Like okay, if the situation is not like we want it. So I I try to practice more and more just to observe the emotions. You know, mm. we are mm -hmm. we are not our emotions. The emotions they just get triggered. Right. And we have this tendency of like okay, we we clinch to the happy emotions, to the nice ones, and all the other ones we don't want, and we we push them away. But what if we could just say ah interesting now i feel sad or we could say ah interesting now i'm happy you know like the, yeah. this detachment of like ah, i'm just the observer that's a very buddhist approach too to you know um it, it just is right mm -hmm. the the feelings that come in the thoughts that come in mm -hmm. they just there is no judge you know the the sort of philosophy of of non-judgment it's not good or bad it just is you know it's yeah it's non-judgment but also non-identification you are not your emotions that right. can help i mean it doesn't they mean also that say it, you're not your thoughts yeah i mean it gets even more freaky like, yeah right <laughs> yeah i know yes it is um go ahead sorry i interrupted you no i mean this non-identification and, and again it's 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 practice you know try to practice in the small little things like when you have to wait at your doctor's office you either get nervous or not or like i don't know and something doesn't roll in your way can you can you like stay calm and say okay now this is like it is i can accept it it's my choice i focus on that i'm sitting here and i can watch the birds i don't know i'm i'm really cautious how much or i have to say how little i work <laughs> Um, stress is a huge factor in my opinion because it, it's, it's shown that directly it correlates with how it affects your immune system. So I make really sure that I don't have stress. You know, I, I became really particular or like really obsessed with, with trying to live harmonic, like in harmony with myself, with my body, with my, not, not pushing myself all the time, not like, oh, and this and that, like, hey, wait is this actually healthy? Like, and if it's not, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, um, and I, I work much less than five years ago, but they're very selected, like what I do. So yeah, it's, it's a practice thing. It is, it is. And it is easier, 
easier said than done. So, yeah, I just uh, I know you recently or I think you're still in the middle of uh, working with Stanford around Mm -hmm. mindset. Can you share a little bit about the work that you're doing there? Yeah, with pleasure. I mean, it's it's amazing, like what kind of research they are doing in Stanford regarding mindset and also storytelling in your head and how that affects how you feel, how you act. And so we're having this lecture series with different professors that are focusing on mindset, on hypnosis, which is also super cool when it comes to storytelling and yeah. like how you can change the story in your head. This is actually happening tomorrow evening, oh. uh, my time. So your lunchtime or in Colorado, I don't know. Um, so yeah, what we do is we, we try to make, sometimes, you know, the academic research is, is very like tricky to understand and not accessible and what we try to do with this lecture series is really to bring the specialists uh, on the floor and talk with them in a kind of fireside chat and let them explain their research but in a way that we patients and like people affected by cancer can get it you know like and so we can take something away it's it's really really cool and i can highly recommend to to join a session or see the recordings and and Mm -hmm. you can learn a lot about the latest research going on in, in these topics yeah Awesome. I will make sure to put that link uh, in the show notes so that people can hopefully access the recording after. Um, And then can you talk a little bit about uh, my survival story? I know you founded that Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. you can go to mysurvivalstory.com. Dot org. Dot org. Um, So Yeah. yeah, talk to me a little bit about that work. Yes. So for me, my survival story is probably what for you is no time to waste. Mm. You know, I, I, I had this very dim prognosis and I was like, shit, what I'm going to do with my life? And mm-hmm. I have not a lot of time left. And so I want to travel once around the world and just document all these cancer survivors and listen to them and like learn from them. And so that's what I did while I was in my second chemo. I, I fundraised like a grant yeah. <laughs> I was pitching I was pitching in front of a jury of like film production jury and mm-hmm. um I managed to to win this grant and so we said okay we go once around the world and we we document cancer survivors and all all with the, with the focus not on the medical details you know mm. I, I'm more interested in like okay what's what's the story they tell what's their mindset like how do they approach their situation yeah and um we do this with videos and podcasts, mm-hmm. mainly because I believe in the format is perfect for, for patients and uh, you can easily access it on our website or on social media. And you can also share your story, you know, like I believe in, in sharing stories yep. and learning from each other. So this is the main focus of this project. That's great. That okay. That that's helpful. When you just made the parallel between my survival story and no time to waste in this project, that that makes a lot of lot of sense. Um, knowing how uh, careful and selective you are with how you spend your time, um, and ensuring that you're not working at a level that would start to ratchet that up, um, I have a lot of respect for that, and I'm even more grateful that you were willing to talk today. Um, yeah, I know, with pleasure. You know, I, I told you that in the beginning, like you also triggered something in me. And it's it's funny because despite I'm I'm fighting for my life for nine years, 
also i need rem reminders you know and your project and what you are doing with this project reminded me even more of like how important it is to not mm -hmm. waste any time mm -hmm. to dare to do something or to, to fight for your ideas and your vision it, it also needs courage keep on doing what you're doing because you're impacting people with what you do and 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 sharing it on social is is really how you will reach people more and more and and it's just wonderful Thanks for listening to this week's episode of No Time to Waste. Now we've got Ethan Zahn to interview another cancer crusher on behalf of our partner, Active Against Cancer. Enjoy. Welcome to this week's Active Against Cancer Spotlight, hosted by me, Ethan Zahn. I'm a former pro soccer player, winner of Survivor, and two-time cancer crusher. And today I'm chatting with neuroscientist, mindset specialist, cancer survivor, and triathlete, Martin Interbitzen. His philosophy on the power of the mindset and its role in helping us to thrive, even when facing hardships, will inspire you to take all the right steps today that will help you tomorrow. I'm so excited to welcome neuroscientist, mindset specialist, cancer survivor, and triathlete Martin Interbitzen to the Active Against Cancer Spotlight segment. So welcome, Martin. How are you doing today? Welcome, everybody. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing wonderful. Thanks. And where are you calling in from? I'm calling from Zurich, Switzerland. Man. And, you know, this is the Active Against Cancer Spotlight segment. So we do talk a lot about sports and cancer and the mindset. So as an athlete, mm -hmm. I uh, recently learned that you made a crazy decision to sign up for a triathlon right in the middle of your treatment. What was going through your mind? That's right. That was probably one of the craziest decisions I've ever done in my life. And probably also one of those decisions who definitely changed my life for the better in the long term. So how did that come along? Well, I think in the end it was it was somehow coming out of of not of anger, but of, of kind of being pissed, if I can uh, if you allow me to use that word, you know, like I was in this I was in this room with other patients, everybody gets chemo, you know, it it it, it sucks. It's not a nice place to be. There was one patient complaining a lot and you know, spreading bad vibes and just telling everybody that he just wants to die in peace. And I was like, whoa, this is not what I need, you know. <laughs> and so I literally in that moment picked up my mobile phone and, and said, okay, I'm not going to die. And if I'm going to survive this, I, I'm going to do the most crazy thing I can imagine. And, and I, I literally like... I. I picked i mean i was really typing my name into the sign up form of a zurich zurich triathlon and like shortly after i got my number and i was still connected to the chemo i was like holy shit <laughs> now, now what are i gonna do with that <laughs> yes so i mean i also have to add i never did a triathlon before <laughs> but i never practiced the sport i just thought like okay why not let's let's give it a let's give it a shot but yeah. I mean, you could have chosen to write a book, you could have written a screenplay, you could have done anything on the planet, but you chose a triathlon, which is a physical and mental, you know, challenge. So why did you turn, you think, to sports versus some other area of challenge? I think it has a lot to do because cancer attacks your body and you get a lot of doubts around your body and if the body works or not. And and somehow I wanted to prove myself that my body's strong, my body can handle it. You know, in the end, I think it was a reaction out of fear because mm. as long as I run, as I sweat, I can breathe, my body works, and that means I'm safe. And so 
it was for me a natural decision to to move towards sports and to move towards like physical activity mm. and on the other side i think it's also what you said it's it's not only a physical challenge it's also a mental challenge and i didn't know back then but now more and more this is what interests me much more on on this kind of sport activities like the mindset and and what you can learn from that and like how you can transfer the learning you go through on a somatic level uh into your journey as a patient or into your journey as a professional. And I, I found that super, super interesting, not only as a, as a neuroscientist, but also as somebody like, like fighting for his life, you know? Right. I mean, yeah. you literally put yourself through your own clinical trial and you're almost yeah. like studying yourself <laughs> like and that, your yeah. body as you were doing it. I think that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what's interesting, you know, when you go through cancer, you know yourself, you have these dark days, dark moments. And those are actually the interesting moments of learnings. I mean, it's not interesting in a sense that it's fun. It, it actually is really uncomfortable. But that's the moment where you you have to face your your fears. Your you, you can also grow a lot there. And with sports, it's very similar. You will go through these valleys, these ups and downs, and. And the ups when you're in a in a runner's high, that's cool. I mean, yeah. then you're like everything floats, but. The question is, what are you going to do when you hit the wall? And we start questioning why I'm doing this. Like, I could now just lie on the sofa and watch some Netflix while I'm, while I'm suffering. And then this inner dialogue starts. And I think that's very, very interesting when, <clears throat> when you don't give up there and you learn to relax and just keep going like one step at a time. And, and I learned a lot from, from my sports activities there for, for my journey, yeah. So I feel it's almost like you are embracing the unknown, running towards the fear to help overcome the fear of cancer, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think that's the, that you, you can say it in this way. And one, one of your quotes is you said, starting to train for the triathlon was like getting reborn in full consciousness. I love uh. that. I mean, I remember when I got out of my second stem cell transplant and I just started to train for the Boston Marathon, you know, like you, it was, it was 500 meters down the road walking, you know, but it's those little, little goals that you could achieve and overcome that built, you know, a foundation to be able to, to achieve those greater goals. And so for me, it's exactly, it was like getting reborn in full consciousness. You could feel your body changing, your muscles getting stronger, your your joints just moving and flowing better and that for me was the inspiration i needed to keep going yeah that's very wonderful said like it it's really is reactivating and i like what you pointed out with like small steps you know i think it's important also for all the listeners and maybe somebody's listening to this while being in the hospital or being on chemo and is not able to move at all you know then i i would say hey choose choose your training according to where you are i make you an example. I had my last big surgery this January. It's like half a year ago. And my first walk within the hospital was 30 meters. That's mm. what was my daily goal. And I tracked that on Strava. You can go into my Strava and look that up. You know, this was my training of the week or of the day. And I made it really big. It's not just like, oh, I go for a walk in the alley of the hospital. It's it's like, like meet your body where your body is and not where you want to be in your head. That's, that's sometimes very hard. It is hard. And especially for, I mean, I think it's interesting because you weren't an athlete and you decided no. to become an athlete. So 
not only are you going through cancer, you're deciding to take on this challenge that is completely new to you. You know, I grew up as an athlete, so it was my natural comforting place to go when I wasn't feeling good about myself and my body was deteriorating. For someone to try this out of the blue is absolutely uh, inspiring, I guess I can say. That's Thank incredible. you. Um, but maybe also people hearing that maybe you can identify, like once you get hit by cancer, you realize that your body and your health is the most precious thing you have. And it changed a lot the relationship to my body. And um, can you just share a little bit about your philosophy on the, the power of a mindset and its role in helping us thrive even when facing hardships? Sure, with pleasure. So to put it in very simple words, I believe the brain is a storytelling machine. That's what the brain does all day long. You tell yourself a story. And the second interesting insight is that this story is always wrong. Why? Because already your perception is not getting the full picture, you know, like you just hear a certain uh, frequency, you just see a certain length of, of light. And so the story you get is already wrong. But now comes the interesting point. Based on the story you tell yourself, you feel either one way or the other. And you can tweak that, you know. It's not easy. It's by, by default, our brain has a negative focus that has nothing to do with weak character. It has a lot to do with with evolution, you know, like back in the jungle, it was very important to spot any any dangerous situation because otherwise you're just gone. On the other side, if you if you miss a banana or something, it it's not the end of the world. So our brain has a negative focus. And so if your story is negative, it's just that's the default software you have up there. Mm -hmm. And so mindset is so powerful because and a lot of people don't know that a mindset is not fixed. You know, you can change your mindset. The mi mindset is in the end, it's a skill. Like mindsetting, what I like mm. to say, is a skill. Like setting your mind is, is something you can train like a muscle in, in the gym. The goal in the end is not to just feel good, you know. Sometimes I think, especially in the, in the cancer community, it's important to point that out. Like my goal is not to avoid uncomfortable emotions. Mm -hmm. Like they're, all emotions are allowed, but also your mindset can help you to to welcome all the emotions that, mm. that you have to go through and not just like, oh, I want to change my mindset so I feel positive and everything will be fine. No, right. it's not that easy. Yeah. So my, my, my question for you is this, and it's an open question, is do you think that turning to athletics and sports distracted you from the reality of the situation that you were going through? Or do you think it helped you figure out the emotions you're having from cancer and kind of applying that to the athletic side of yourself mm. to kind of get through those together. I think somehow both, you know, mm. it's, it's funny. On one side, it was a distraction. It was also a way to, to steam off my emotions, my stress, you know, when you run, you feel good after that. Um, and on the other side, it was also like helping me to, to learn and cope with it. And you talk about, you know, survival stories you have an incredible instagram account my survival story on instagram so why do you think it's so powerful for cancer warriors to share their story we have to understand that your story is maybe the the light the light in the darkness for somebody else you know like maybe you think that yeah, my story doesn't matter but that's not true. Like I had such a story. You probably had similar stories, but I had a story from a patient that helped me through the darkness. And and I think sharing those stories is very, very powerful, especially if, if the stories are authentic, you know, they show the full scope. And um, 
if it's if it's something that that is honest i think it's about the honest storytelling you also said listen you know, we're all survivors on this earth and uh you, we all have to survive until we die how do you want to do that i thought that was a, a beautiful quote as well and it's also wonderful with the no waste no time to waste project you know like in the end, people look at us patients and survivors and say, oh, it's so heavy and so poor. And uh, But it's also, I mean, at least we are aware that we're going to die. Right. <laughs> you know, that's a huge blessing because we, we spend our time much more wise and more consciously, I think. Support Active Against Cancer's mission to help cancer patients stay active throughout treatment. Check out activeagainstcancer.org backslash podcast to learn more and donate online. That's A-K-T-I-V against cancer.org backslash podcast. Just be sure to put no time to waste in the comment box. So get out there and maximize your moments and keep crushing it. See you next time.